ever, dude. Just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. And welcome to another edition of the Carve Up Surf Show, where we get uh, very real in the sport of surfing. And on today's show, we got a couple of special guests and a couple of special events to uh, to talk about and to really dive deep into. But firstly and foremostly, Silky, uh, before we introduce our special guests, and of course, Will uh, Weber, who's up there in our special studios way up in uh, northern New South Wales, we want to give a big shout out to Two Fish, One Chips Shooter, who's just come back from the walking the Kokoda Trail uh, for the Mark Hughes Foundation. What an achievement. Yeah, he, uh, he's just arrived back in Sydney. A three-day cycle followed by a five-day hike through Kokoda. And uh, next time, well, next episode, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out all the details. But a great job. They raised, Shooter himself raised over 10 grand for the foundation. So hats off to you, Shooter. Great job, mate. Yeah, great job. And that's the, uh, about uh, all the praise you're going to get from us on this show because we don't give out too much praise. We just give it to you. Um, all right, we've got a couple of special guests in the studio uh, with us tonight, and um, these two guys, one straight off the boat from G-Land, this guy's living the dream. So it's Normally it's the surfers who should be living the dream, but uh, this... Uh, I'm a this, surfer? It, well, a surfer, <laughs> but surf, surfer slash photographer, but your main job is behind the lens, and you've uh, taken some amazing photos. Of course, what I'm talking about, uh, Bill Morris is in the house with us tonight, boys. So we're going to hear from uh, Billy, uh, not so much about his last surf trip, but about uh, another event he was at just last week. And, of course, uh, welcome back to one of our favorite guests, uh, Per Stanley, who was actually in the event we're going to be talking about. And, boys, let's not waste any time. Let's dive straight in. Last week, one of the, if not the greatest shows on earth with some of the most craziest human beings um, I've ever seen just charge into waves that, uh, well, quite possibly weren't even rideable. Um, I'm talking about the Red Bull Cape Fear Boys. Uh, Billy Perth, you were in it. Billy, you were in the channel. Uh, let's just dive straight in. Perth, for you as one of the competitors, one of the guys riding those things, um, summon up as briefly as you can in a few words. What was it really like out there? Uh, it was actually quite relaxing. I know how <laughs> that doesn't. Did you just smoke a joint before you walked <laughs> I mean, honestly. No, it was a. It's a weird one because there was so much water safety. There was so much going on and. It almost distracted you from what you're kind of doing, and um, there was just these big walls coming in, and you just you didn't really have a choice. Like you had priority, so you had to go, and you just went, and whatever happened happened. It was just kind of out of your control. Perth, talk us through the, the morning, the first day. Uh, you caught a coach in. I spoke. In, I've actually spoke to Jughead and Richie uh, earlier, but they said there's an eerie feeling around the, the whole site on that first morning. Just give us a bit of the detail about that. <laughs> I woke up and from my room, I could see the, the two points at Botany Harbour, Botany Bay. And um, I saw waves breaking where waves shouldn't be breaking. It was pretty, pretty scary when I first woke up and looked out there. I saw these waves breaking like halfway across the harbour, just in the middle of nowhere. And I was just like, oh my God, what have we got ourselves into? This is going to be the biggest nightmare ever. And then sure enough, we got there and it was just... It was too big when we first rocked up. It was proper 15 foot. There was a bommy breaking that usually just slightly crumbles and it was like a top to bottom barrel and there was like six wave sets just washing straight past the normal reef that you surf and we're all just kind of, I mean, ironing if it was even surfable, morning sickness, 
is all over the place. But we knew the tide was going to go out and it was going to just straighten up and hopefully turn into what it did. Yeah, well, it w- <laughs> it definitely wasn't four foot. It definitely it was, wasn't perfect. <laughs> uh, and uh, look, we I think the whole world watched uh, on on bated breath to see one whether you guys were actually going to go out there and, and ride these ways. And when Mark Matthews, the contest director, you know, pushed the green green light button and we're go, um, everyone sort of held their breath and just went, "Oh my gosh, what are we going to witness today?" I mean. I didn't get out there, but I was watching uh, from the office, and I, let me tell you, it was something I've never, ever imagined being able to watch. I know, Will, you were watching way up north there, but Billy, you were watching – what a great segue, well, hey? Yeah. Billy, <laughs> Billy Morris was actually watching in the channel. Bill, give us your view and your thoughts on that day. Well, it's kind of weird. I'm usually there, like at the break, and – and this time, because I was the water guy, I was told to report to the boat channel. So I'm sitting down the boat channel in the harbour and there's probably three foot waves coming in the harbour that I've never seen before. And I thought for sure that it's not going to be on. And I, I kept relaying back to people at the Connor site with their thoughts and what it was like. And, and the general feeling I got was it wasn't going to be on because there was, I know a few of the competitors were saying, nah, there's not, it's not rideable. It's just not rideable. And, um, and I was actually surprised when the call came through finally saying, right, we're starting, it's, it's on and we're out there. So then I didn't really get a look at it until I got out there at 11 o'clock or whenever it was that it started. But I had butterflies sitting down in the boat channel because I knew it was going to be huge. And then when I got out there and actually seen the thing, I was just like, I had never seen it like that before. And, and I mean, it was north. It was way, way too north. And I was kind of surprised that they even ran it. But the boys did the best job they could and there were some crazy waves ridden. There was actually a couple of good ones ridden, but um, there was a lot of evil ones and there was a lot of bad wipeouts and I think Red Bull got their money's worth. <laughs> now, you've been all over the world. You've shot many a crazy slab. You've, I'm sure you've been to Tahiti. You've been to Hawaii numerous yeah. times. I know we spent a lot of time on the rock over there in we Hawaii. Yeah. Not on the rock, but uh, on the <laughs> island itself. <laughs> That's for the after dark show. <laughs> That's it. But, uh, but how crazy, like for, on a scale of 1 to 10, seriously, when you actually saw guys riding the waves and throughout the day and throughout both days, did you really think that it was these waves were actually rideable? Um, and on a scale of 1 to 10, give us your number. Oh, the first day, I think one in ten waves was rideable. Um, on a scale of one to ten, it was it was ten on the size-wise and, and how heavy it was. But I'm not sure if it was a normal day, whether people would even be towing it because I've seen days way less that, that haven't been ridden. People have gone out there and just watched it. So... I think just the contest, the hype and everything forced everyone into a situation where they were going to go anyway. So, um, yeah, but the second day, the second day was, there were some good ones. I mean, they could have ran the whole thing on the second day and it still would have been epic television because it was still big and, and it was a little bit more on the south side of east, but it was still very east. And, but there were more waves and it was better conditions. It was heavy. Perth, uh... Talk us through the, the discussion amongst the competitors. There, I mean, everyone's heard that the event possibly wasn't going to run and there was a, a secret ballot or something like that. What was the general consensus amongst the surfers? We're here, let's do it? Or was there a bit of reservation? Um, the sort of 
what was going on, as I said before, like when we first started looking at it, didn't really look surfable. And the more we sat there, the more sort of diamonds in the rough we saw, the more consistent they became. Went from being like one in about 100 waves and then every sort of couple minutes there'd be one and then it just, as the wind kept coming more and more offshore, it just kept getting more and more consistent with the good ones. And we're just like, well, we're here, it's all set up, let's just go for it, surf a couple heats, see what happens and probably make the best event ever run in history. Like, you can't really get crazier than that. Yeah, well, it was definitely one of the best events I've ever been privileged to watch. And thank God that I was not even out there, not even close to hours of the location. But um, one of the things before we go to a break is, and we'll dive more into Cape Fear, the Red Bull Cape Fear. Obviously, Red Bull uh, has never had their shortage of controversy. And, and one of the controversies surrounding this event, unfortunately, is the non-backing of the WSL. Um, this event, had there been a few key surfers in it, might have um, you know resonated with a few more, um, I guess, media outlets. Apparently, there's rumor going around that it didn't have as much as what a WSL event uh, would have had, which I disagree with. I think everyone in the world was tuned in to that event, and Fiji actually coincidentally ran on the same day. How many people do you think were watching Fiji, and how many people do you think were watching <laughs> exactly. Red Bull? Cape Fear. I can tell you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's going to be a, a, a definite a slight imbalance there. But, um, you know, a lot of the big wave world tour surfers were not allowed to surf in that event. Um, I asked you off air if, if the QS surfers were told that they could not surf. Obviously, that's not the case because you were in the event and you're one of the QS surfers. Um, but to not be able to – and obviously the WSL guys were in Fiji, so that's fair enough. But had it not been Fiji window, would you would you keep it same to the local guys that, that surfed in that event, or would you want to see some more big-name surfers in, in the draw? Um, well, um, as far as I know, if a W World Tour surfer surfs a non-sanctioned event, they get fined quite heavily. It could even be upwards of $50,000. Wow. I think they and, get electrocuted. Uh, <laughs> something like that, yeah. <laughs> And so I guess that's fair enough on their behalf if they don't want to do it. If Red Bull wants to pay for that fine, sure, stick him in. Like Slater out there would have been unbelievable to watch. Oh, that would have been sick. But John John or something would have been hundred percent. And that's that's what I'm trying to get to, right? I'm trying to get to um, you guys deserve the, all the competitors, the photographers, everyone involved in that event deserve exactly what they're going to get in. That's big high fives and mad respect, and hopefully tons of coverage and. You know, I wish there was more money to give you guys for doing what you did. But, I mean, the thing is, is that the Quicksilver event in Hawaii, the big wave event, is a specialty event. Is that sanctioned by the WSL? I don't, I don't believe it is, or, or they don't pay a, a sanctioning fee from what I understand. I could be completely wrong. And you get the Kelly Slaters and everyone in that event. So how does this one differ? Um. Well, you see, Hawaii is Hawaii, and they seem to be able to do whatever they feel like doing. So that's just Hawaii and how ridiculous the WSL is in that whole thing. Like they also give... the, w- the WSL probably fears um, Red Bull's potential as well. Yeah, I don't think they. Yeah, get they're along. a threat. I dare say they'd be a threat, wouldn't they? 
Well, I, I, I kind of think uh, from, you know, again, it's all speculation, right? It's um, from what you hear. It's a small world we live in in the surfing community um, that I would, be embr- I would have been embracing this event tenfold. I think, um, yeah, it's had its challenges. But at the end of the day, um, when you start uh, picking and choosing, sometimes that can backfire and, you know, bite you in the ass. All right, well, let's go to a short break. We'll come back with more Cape Fear. Of course, that's the Red Bull Cape Fear event uh, with Bill and Perth. And, of course, Will up there in, in our nor- northern New South Wales uh, studios. We'll be right back with the carve-up. Welcome back to the carve-up. Of course, we're talking about the Red Bull Cape Fear on this edition of the show with our special guests, Billy Morris and Perth Stanley. Of course, Willie Weber up there in our northern New, New South Wales studios having a, uh, a good old time up there. And, of course, Silky and myself. Now, boys, let's dive a little bit deeper into the event. Uh, Bill, next question is to you in regards to photographically, who, what, and how was your best photo taken of? Uh, Justin Alport, for sure. Um, The biggest, heaviest, uh, craziest, you know, Cape Slander shot I've ever taken, for sure, without a doubt. How do you not get distracted? I mean, the waves are so crazy. They're so big, some of the biggest, if not the biggest, you've ever seen in ours. And you, then you've got to focus your camera to be in the right spot at the right time to get that photo of Jughead um, before all hell breaks loose. I don't know. I just, I just go into the into the zone, I guess, and just you know, try and the adrenaline's pumping, like especially when it's like that. I mean, we were just everyone was freaking out in the channel, all the photographers, and especially before anything happened. I just got to say this that. Um, uh, the filmer from Western Australia, um, I can't remember his name, oh, it's going to kill me, he went over the falls first Spencer wave. Spencer something? No, 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 Spencer was, well, was the, the other water guy. Oh. But a, he was on the back of a ski and Rick Rafisi. And, oh, Rick Rafisi. And he was going up on the back of the ski over this wave and he just toppled off on the back of the lip and went upside down over the falls with the huge film housing and camera. Oh, no way. And everyone just lost it. This is before even a competitor had caught a wave. And they raced in, and he finally popped up, and they grabbed him, and he was okay. But he said he bounced off the bottom that hard. He's thrown around, lost his camera like he had tied on, and, and then um, come back out. And it was just like all happened right before the start of the event. Well, Rick Rafisi, great friend of mine. Um, I've done many of uh, movies with Rick, um, and he. For those of you who don't know Rick, he is one of the best cinematographers in the business, and he does a lot of work for Red Bull. And he's also had his shoulders broken that many times, so I'm surprised that he's got two shoulders left yeah. after that wipeout. Heavy wipeout. But um, speaking of wipeouts, I mean, obviously, well, you... hold on. I want to hear about this photo shot. Yeah. Yeah. All okay. Right. All right. Anyway, yeah. So I said the adrenaline was pumping, and um. Yeah, we're just, I'm just trying to line up the shot, like um, line up the wave, not shoot pretty much the guy, but just line up the wave, fit the wave into the frame. So, because the guy's always going to be there somewhere in that frame, but that's what I do, just just line up that wave and uh, hopefully keep it steady and um, get the shot. Like, Bill, was it the big one? in the water on the back of a ski. I was on the back of the ski the first day because it was just, it was just a washing machine. You couldn't have even, yeah. you couldn't have even stayed in the spot. And the second day I swam and the ski, did both. But, yeah, on the back of the ski the first day. Crazy. Well, um, I mean, the shots that have gone around the world um, through your lens, it must make you feel pretty proud to know that you were a part of 
amazing history. Oh, I'm I'm wrapped. I can, you know just to get the gig with Rip Curl, um, with Rip Curl, with, with <laughs> Red, Red Bull. Bull. <laughs> we'll let, Red we'll Bull let it that great. be, Bill. Guys, <laughs> 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 sponsor. Yeah. No, just to get the gig with Red Bull was unreal, and um, yeah, I hope I continue to um, get a few good gigs like that. That'd be great. Hey, Billy, talking of photos, did you see the one with the big shark fin? Was that a dolphin or a great white? Yeah, there was a. There was really strange. There's one dolphin hanging around. Right in the impact zone the whole whole first day. He was just there, just bobbing up and down and just by himself, just one dolphin. It was, everyone was just going, well, what's this dolphin doing? He's just like, he was just like, like he was there for Red Bull Dolphin. I don't know. It was crazy. Let's touch on something else. Let's, let's touch on when you let go of the rope or when you're paddling in either or, right? When, when Perth Stanley decides this is the wave I'm going, I'm committed, what goes through your head? And where do you aim? Um, if I'm paddling, it depends who's on my inside and who just got the last one and all those things because if you've got priority, you kind of just have to go the biggest one that comes. Um, when you let go of the rope, you kind of just look for the boils, try and get behind them if you can without losing too much speed and then sort of pick a relative line and just... You don't, you don't go across the wave as such. It's sort of like a slight angle out towards the face, like out towards the flats, and you just kind of hold this line as best you can, and it just you kind of just naturally do it. I don't think you really try to do it that much. It just, as a surfer, you're just in a barrel, and it just happens. Right. Well, one of the biggest wipeouts, of course, we are just talking about them through your lenses there that you, you shot was Jughead, and uh, the carve-up got an exclusive with, Jughead uh, earlier this week. Yeah, I was lucky enough to catch up with Jughead uh, a couple of days after the event, and here's what he had to say. Talk us through the wipeout, what you remember of it. Ryan Hitwood, sorry, he, uh, he was like towing me at the time, and uh, he was just looking out to sea and just, he had no emotion, no nothing, just wouldn't look at me. And I was like, why it's so weird? And I'm like, Man, like a couple of guys were catching waves, and it was, I, I'd waited the longest, so I thought it was my turn. And I'm like, hey, like, why didn't you even look at that one? And he's like, Oh, you got to yell out, and I'm like, but, but you can see it. You're up high, and like you can see it way before me. And like, then they made a move. Like you got to, you got to start making a move, and then I'll say yes or no. And he's like, no, no, you you yell out if you want it. So I'm like, okay, here comes one. Let's go. We're going this one. And he goes, oh, you don't want this one. I'm like, mate, just I just give me a look. He goes, it's no good. I'm like, give me a look. And to me, I thought it was like like a really good wave. It didn't have too much wall. It was big. It was a bigger one, and I'd seen a couple of bigger ones that uh, that didn't hit the inside and, and just drain off. And I, I really wanted to make one because I'd only had one or two that I'd made before, uh, probably two or three that I'd made. I only had like six waves or something. And I thought, like, it's only 10 minutes to go. I really want to make one. And to be honest, it wasn't – no one out there was thinking about scores or anything like that, but I just wanted to make a good one in case I didn't get to surf again. And I actually – that's why I wanted to make one because I wanted to surf again. So I, I thought this was a good one. He's, he's saying no to me. Anyway, I just let go of the rope and went. And I actually thought it was a big A-frame and I thought I'd just come around and just pull in and it's a bit of a shoulder, to be honest. It wasn't like the one before or anything like that. And Yeah, I, I don't know how I didn't make it. It's like oh, I'd like to see the footage or something. I haven't seen yeah, right. any of it in that. So, yeah, so... I think I just got caught up in the phone or something and I remember my, just going up and over the falls. I wasn't thinking it was anything like some of the wipeouts I'd had that day. 
and uh, and I'm underwater for a bit. And there was a wave before mine that was pretty solid that Blake was on. He got ragged up. He's sorry, I don't know how he didn't get seriously hurt because he caught mine after that as well. But his was way thicker and gnarly. But I'm underwater and for a little bit, and I thought I was sweet, and I was thinking I'd be coming up soon. And then I bang, I hit my head and my shoulder, both my shoulders, and I was like far out, like that sort of hurt. And then I remember it was a fair bit of time underwater, so I opened my eyes and it was really black from the the water was dirty and stuff, so I couldn't really see much. And I was, I was just so worried about where I was on the reef, like if I was up the point a bit or I was down in the bay or where I was and like I don't know why I was worried about that but I was I just wanted to know where I was because I hadn't come up for so long and I was anyway eventually come up and when I did I was like real I felt exhausted compared to the other wipeouts I, I didn't I didn't feel like I'd made a struggle at all but I didn't want to I just was like trying to conserve my energy but when I come to the top I was like so exhausted and uh, forgotten about my head and that because I remember I seen this jet ski coming straight at me and Ryan Hipwood jumps off it. I'm like, what's going on? There's something going on here. So he jumps off and jumps on top of me. I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. I'm like, all right. But I'm looking at the jet ski, more worried about that, thinking, That's, like, it was going towards the rocks, I thought, and, like, for sure it's going to be smashed up those rocks any minute. I'm like, what's going on here? And he's grabbed me and he's... Another ski's come along and he's tried to get me over onto this other ski and they're dragging me up and I'm thinking, what's all the commotion for? Like every other time I've come up, I've just jumped back on the board and paddled back out and I wasn't really, I mustn't have been with it there like, and I didn't realise at the time. So they're dragging me off and I didn't know that uh, I had this head cut. I knew I'd smashed my head but I didn't think I'd cut it. Uh, Jesse Pollock, who was injured getting first aid attention himself, jumps off the boat or something's coming at me and I can't even remember exactly what he did but I just remember his his face I looked up my hippo's like straddling me I'm like whoa <laughs> you're looking a bit close to me mate don't kiss me and like it was just full on and then everyone's yelling stuff and you know it was a pretty well old machine but was it the first time you've ever kind of got injured or hurt yourself not you know not not seriously, but with your kids and your, your family, they're watching. That must have been pretty tough. Or didn't really think about that at the time. No, I was fully emotional. Like yeah. totally got emotional. Like I'm pretty. I don't cry ever. And uh, I was crying. I've, what, I might not have been crying right then, but later on when I was trying to talk to someone to make sure they were right, I think I was crying because of, I remember looking up. I could see where they were standing or where I was standing with them earlier in the day. And I was just like, far out, they have to see this. Like, that's not cool. And so the, I remember the first couple of things I was saying was like, tell my wife I'm okay. Someone ring me wife. And I didn't want to, I didn't want anyone to touch me or do anything until I was assured that my wife knew I was okay. And like, and that was so my kids as well would know I was okay. Yeah. yeah. Mate, you've been doing this for years. What drives you to chase these beasts? I don't know. <laughs> it's just, I guess it's adrenaline and stuff. And, you know how good it feels when you get one and and then when you're working and when you're doing stuff with the kids and when it's been a long time since, you, you like get a, like I get a bit jealous of Mark and Hippo on that, for sure. Like I see what they're doing and I'm like, far out. I love it as much as they love it. Uh, 
and I'm, you know, I'm stoked that someone's doing it. And some people say, oh, they're like, they only do it because of, you know, they're getting paid to do it. They're only doing it for this and that. And it's like, I don't, I used to have a bit of weird feeling about that, but I mean, good luck. If it's not them, someone else is going to be getting paid to do it and good on it. I'm like, yeah. On that point, um, Albie Lay has been pretty vocal this week. He wanted to surf in the event. Obviously, the WSL put sanctions against the, the big wave tour guys. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> this is the carve-up, mate. You can carve them up if you want. <laughs> it's just control, isn't it? Like, who owns the WSL? Well, I'm pretty sure we all know. And the company that owns them, I'm pretty sure that everyone knows who's got a big... Uh, Would you have liked to have seen more, more of the guys from, you know, the States and Hawaii at the event? Oh, I was like... I was so focused on going surfing that day. I was like, for a week before, I sent Richie, or I sent Evan Folks a text and it said, hope you or Richie win it. And uh, and then my whole plan was to watch the the replay after I'd surfed because I knew I was going to be, I already booked in the whole day off work. So I can't get busted for having a sickie and, get, and getting hurt. So, because uh, I, ne- I never go sick and go surfing. I always, because imagine if something like this happened. Well done, it did. Uh, I want to see Obi Leia. That's all I wanted to see. Not just him, but he was the main guy I wanted to see out of the internationals because, mate, since the day I seen him surf Jaws, before anyone had seen him surf Jaws, like I seen a clip that, that he'd done. And I could, I'm like, far out, this guy's not just the best air guy, but he's freaking out Jaws as well. Like, I was so stoked when I seen that. And that, he wasn't a Jaws guy at all then. But since that day, I followed his surfing and and uh, he was the one I wanted to watch. It, it's gone gangbusters around the world, you know, over a million views in a day. The footage, particularly the wipeouts, everyone likes the wipeouts. Did you know on the day when you saw the swell that this was going to be something people would talk about for possibly years to come no i didn't honestly i've I, I seen it and i wasn't really thinking about other people watching it <laughs> like that didn't oh, that until you've just said it now i remember at the time that hadn't even crossed my mind although when i'd seen this swell like a week earlier and i did t- text message uh evan and say i hope you're a richie win uh i was like i was like far out like Someone told me they're going to run the Tuesday. Why don't, why don't they run on the Monday? And uh, and I was thinking that sort of sucks as well because I was sort of hoping it was going to be on the Monday and I'd get to come down and surf after everyone was hung over on the Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that would be the case, and I thought the Tuesday would be really good. And you know, if you know, I probably wasn't even frothing to come down and surf Monday, but if I was going to watch a surfing comp, that would be the day it should have been on. And and after the last one. I don't know if they felt pressure to run it and stuff, but I was thinking, I didn't really, I wasn't vocal about it. I just, that's thoughts to myself. But uh, I remember that morning when I'm there, I'm like, far out, I'm in this comp. And uh, and I was thinking, why weren't they running Monday? And now I'm here on Monday. Uh, why aren't they running Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> why aren't they running Tuesday? Far out. This is like pretty gnarly. <laughs> Lucky I didn't go out of my way and say something about why aren't they running, yeah. running on, uh, on the Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Now you've had time to reflect and probably um, we haven't seen all the footage, but you'll be putting your hand up for the next one? Yeah, of course. Oh, like, you know, I spoke to Mark about this earlier and I know what went down with all the um, 
internationals and stuff like that and and he, like as much as he wants him in it and it's like it's not all up to mark and I, I said to him like i'd when i was never invited like i was i thought there was 10 guys in front of me that deserve a spot especially 10 local guys or you know yeah. i'm not i'm not like my friends and family are like and and people that are in my local board riders club they're like pushing for me two years ago like and they're pushing for me and I didn't want to say, oh, don't push for me or anything like that, but it was like, I wasn't behind any of it and didn't care. Like, I didn't care for it. I, just, I had a lot, so many people saying, why aren't you in it? Why aren't you in it? I'm like, well, there's a thousand reasons why I'm not in it. And, and like, that's up to Mark and Red Bull. And, and, and I was saying that to him the other day, like, you know, I totally understand. Like, so much political stuff. I'm, not, I'm sure if Mark wanted who, who was in it, it wouldn't be everyone who was in it. But then I'm sure if Red Bull wanted who was in it, it probably be way less yeah. <laughs> probably be three people yeah. uh but when it all came down and it worked out like mark was happy most people in the world were happy everyone wants to see albie lay billy camper mikua rothman bruce Lyons, jamie o'brien i want to see him in it yeah. friggin hell so to say that i should have been in it before them would have been really weird and like yeah i don't, I don't know but the way it was ran, it turned out good. And if they have to run with internationals next year, like, you know, I'm happy to step aside, but because uh, I want to watch that. <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to give up my spot, but if it happens, You're in. it wasn't my spot anyway. <laughs> so, and yeah, I understand, totally understand it. Well, mate, on behalf of all the surfers who, who won't paddle over a 15 foot slab at, at ours, mate, we're happy to watch you put your hand up whenever you want. Um, on behalf of all the people who, who watch the event, mate, thanks very much, and I'm sure you'll be in the next event. Oh, well, thanks, Eve, and Calvin Mark, eh? All right, well, you just heard there from uh, Jughead, that exclusive here, uh, thanks to Jughead and, of course, the carve-up with that uh, amazing interview on him recapping, you know, the event, the wipeout, and, and while we got Billy in here, so Bill Morris, who was, you know, Johnny on the spot, if you like. Bill, you were there. You tell us your version. Well, after after he wiped out, I mean, he'd already had three or four wipeouts. I mean, everyone had, and and then he wiped out on one, and he popped up. I'd seen his head pop up, and then I seen Hippo come in on the ski, and Hippo went to grab him, like put his arm down to grab him, and then all of a sudden, Jughead didn't do anything. He didn't lift his arm up or do anything, and then Hippo dived off the, his ski left the ski unmanned and just grabbed hold of him. And then as soon as that happened, I knew that it was something going on. Anyway, he's got him under the chin, swimming away from the break. Luckily, there was no big sets coming in and the ski was just tottering off down in the white water. And the next rescue ski came in and they put him on the mat. And that's when I seen all the red coming out of the back of his head and and he seemed like he was unconscious, he wasn't moving and then... They just drove straight past me, our ski, where I, what I was sitting on, and he started convulsing. Like his whole body was like just shaking, and he, and it was just a horrible, a horrible moment that everyone in the channel had to sit through as he got driven over to the first aid boat, and um, it really sort of changed the whole mood of what was going on out there. It, Luckily, he came too quickly and he put his thumbs up and said he was okay and they bandaged up his head and he was conscious and he was talking and we went over to the boat and, and he seemed fine, but um, 
everyone was really concerned and worried about him, of course, because he, 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 he was – he had been knocked out. And so, you know, there's potential for, for some kind of head injury. So um, anyway, when they took him away, uh, everyone was kind of a bit stunned and, and freaked out about the whole thing and everyone started to get back into – continue with the contest, but it wasn't long – after that, that um, there was a decision made to uh, to call it for the day, so and that's why we went for the second day. Just on the on the wipeouts themselves, like there was some amazing uh, footage of, of the guys wiping out. Uh, like for you, Perth, watching that before you, like you were the uh, the next heat in the water before they called it off. Watching Richie go, you know, face first, uh, you know, all all the different surfers, but everyone got a beat down that day. What what does that do for you before you have to paddle out? Um, I saw a couple of Richie's wipeouts and just stopped watching after that. I was like, I already know this wave. I'm not going to watch it and just rattle myself. I'm just going to go into a little happy place and prepare for any heat as if I would normally and just go into a little blank zone and not talk to anyone and just as if I'm not even at, at the beach. Well, I caught up with Richie a little bit uh, earlier today and here's what he had to say about that wipeout. Well, here we are, our carve-up special, talking to some of the big names of the Cape Fear event. And one of the competitors who charged harder than, well, I wouldn't say charged harder, but had a red-hot go there last week was Richie Vass, and he's on the line. Richie, welcome to the carve-up, mate. Cheers, boys. What's happening? Well, mate, not a great deal. We're, uh, we're still getting over uh, the events of last week. We're catching up on a bit of the Fiji Pro, but, mate, enough about us. Let's talk about you. I wanted to, uh, First, I want to ask you, that first morning, you've all got the coach to the event. Uh, speaking to a few yep. of the competitors... They've said it was quite an eerie feeling, mate. Tell us how you felt on that morning. Yeah, mate, you know, it was. It was a, it was a pretty funny vibe amongst a group of us. Um, we, we all knew how big the forecast was breeding and kind of, you know, what we were kind of in for. Um, it wasn't until we sort of got on the, on the bus, headed, headed out there and saw, you know, the amount of swell pushing the Botany Bay and then we finally got out to, you know, to Cape Slander and, and have a look at it and it was you know, just monstrous. Um, I haven't seen a swell like that ever, I don't think. I've, I've definitely never seen that wave. Um, as heavy and as, you know, as out of control as it was on that Monday. And, yeah, I mean, I can only say everyone was it was a little quiet except for one uh, jughead. He was the only one chomping at the bit, um, you know, just throttling to get out there. So it was, it was a pretty um, funny vibe that morning. Just because there were some amazing ways. It was, it was just really hard to try to pick the right one too. So it wasn't like it was just big and perfect. It was, um, yeah, it was pretty wild. Mate, if the competition wasn't going ahead, is it a day that you'd, you wouldn't surf it? Oh, no, that's what we were saying as well. You know, like, whether, the, whether or not the comp was on, we, we would be out there surfing. So that was what our you know, argument was to the, to the guys at Red Bull. Because they, they were, you know, they weren't trying to push us out there. They were saying, listen, it's up to you guys if you want to surf it. And we were saying, listen, exactly. If we weren't in this contest, we'll be out there surfing anyway. So let's just get it going. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely a few, uh, you know, a few concerned looks um, that morning, watching a few, you know, 15 footers explode next to the rocks. It was... Uh, yeah, it was. Um, you know, the heart was in the mouth for sure. Richie, tell us what goes through your mind when you let go of the rope. Like it, it's, the surf was absolutely giant. Most of them looked unrideable. Mate, yeah. To be honest, for me, it's just like I, I, I try to cut all thought process out. Really, you know, I just want to, you know, try to come into the wave with the best line possible and uh, you know, choose the right wave to start with, and then just see you know, what, what really what's everything that's unfolding in front of you. you know, I'm not trying to over, overthink the whole process. Um, just trying to just go on autopilot and uh, you know choose the right line and uh, try to avoid that step in that girdle and line myself up for the barrel. So it's um, not an overly complex kind of you know thought process on my part. I'm just yeah holding on and doing my best to, to pick the right line. Uh, you know coming to that wave. And 
Mate, there's a photo going round that well, it's gone around the world. That wipeout that you took, mate. That <laughs> moment where you you've dropped down the step. What were you thinking? Mate, I yeah, it was just a, a mate, a nice big uh, Cape Slander uh, lobster below me. So I thought I'd just um, <laughs> you know, have a go and grabbing it. But uh, mate, that was funny. That that was towards the end of our heat, and I you know, hadn't really got a good scoring wave. So I was coming to that one thinking that it was you know, a, a four to six foot wave, and I was hoping he just. Just get a nice easy one and try to get a score on the board. Um, yeah, didn't really realise how big it was until I looked back at the, the footage. Um, and, you know, I've served that wave for, like, the you know, other 15 years, and I was trying to line myself up with what I normally line myself up with on the cliff and, and, and you know, let go where I normally go and, and just, you know, try to take it to the local knowledge into it, but it just didn't really apply to that day because it, it broke unlike, you know, I've ever seen it before. So I let go, looking back, probably a little bit early, and... Um, you know, the tide was getting low and there was something to gurgle and there was all these troughs in the wave and, um, you know, a few steps. So, yeah, I just tried to manage, um, you know, manage my way down and then, yeah, my board just kept on getting back in the troughs until, um, you know, I, I stopped stopped dead and then I thought it was the you know, best way to try and get out, there as, get out of there as possible. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I, you know, it, it flogged me, but um, I popped up in one piece and, yeah, I was pretty grateful. What's the wipeout like there? We spoke to Jughead and the wave where he actually injured himself, he didn't think that when he looked at it and let go of the rope, he actually thought that was a bit of a shoulder wave and, it, you know, we know what happened there. Talk us through the, the wipeout, you know, obviously it changes on different ways, but, you know, on that one particular wave. Yeah, well, it, like, you know, touch wood, I, I, I bounced off the bottom but not too hard and, and uh, out there you, you've got a few different things to worry about, I guess. You've got the, how shallow it is, you know, that, that, that shallow rock shelf in which it breaks, you can get um, pounded on that pretty hard. Um, and then you've got the cliffs right in front of it, which obviously you can wash up as well. And then, yeah, just, you know, there's such a violent beating um, that, you know, you can, that can, you know, be uh, pretty pretty unpleasant in itself. So, yeah, when I fell on that wave, I, did, I was hoping to punch out the back, but I didn't quite make it. I got sucked over and, um, yeah, ragged old pretty good. And luckily, I only, only sort of scraped off the bottom. And, yeah, it was a pretty violent wipeout, but they let me, you know, back to the surface and then, I was just caught inside on the field, and that's when you sort of start worrying about the cliff. And because there's a bit of north in that swell, it was really bending back on on itself and pushing it back towards the cliff. So, yeah, once I made, that, made the surface, I was just trying to um, get as far away from those cliffs as possible and try, try to uh, get a harm's way. But, yeah, it's, um, that's what's so unique about the wave is there's a few different challenges out there. And, yeah, I was just real fortunate on that one. You know, for as bad as it looked, they let me out okay. Mate, there were some uh, great performances across all the surfers. Uh, who stood out in your eyes? Mate, Jug, you know, to, to start us for sure. He was in the very first heat of the day. And like I said, he was just chomping at the bit to get out there when we were all on the cliffs that morning, um, waiting for the event to get caught on. He was just pacing around, you know, just couldn't wait to get out there. He, he, he had mates sending photos away or pumping up at, you know, on the Central Coast. So he was missing out on those and he told me to be a white lane. Why aren't we out there? Why aren't we out there? And as soon as they green light and said, OK, the heat's, the, the heat's on, he just threw himself off the cliffs and uh, paddled out in the lineup. So, um, and, then, and then, you know, once he got the whole of that tow rope, he just went bonkers and, and just went for the, the biggest, ugliest ones out there. So he really set the bar and set the tone for the event. Now, unfortunately, he came unstuck on that one and that was a little eerie after our heat because we were in the channel and I, you know, I saw Jug come past or I saw him get rescued pull onto the mat and then come past on the uh, on the sled you know in, in a pretty bad way but he gave the thumbs up and said he was okay but it was just yeah kind of an eerie start to the heat I guess and I've just seen Jug go down but 
he, he definitely went to Madison, uh, you know, set the bar. And, mate, uh, the winner, young Russell Bjorki, a young bloke you've had a, a little bit to do with through the, the crew. Tell us a little bit about him and, you know, the way he performed over the two days. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend of a kid. He's a soft-spoken, uh, you know, humble kid from down at Dulla. And I got to know him through you know, our season through the crew where he was one of Mark's three surfers. Um, and he won that. And uh, he actually, that's how he won his spot into the event. So to see him grab that opportunity both hands and, and just, you know, charge and just really not put a foot wrong in that final, you know, he just felt amazing. Um, you know, it was great to see he he was just in such a good rhythm in that final. Every time he got the rope, he was just choosing the right, right waves to, to let go on. And uh, you know, it was just awesome to see him do so well and get a recognition that he deserves because he's been charging you know, for years now, um, you know, crazy, surfing some crazy waves down the south coast and he's been at Jaws and surfed the Ryan WA. So it's awesome to see you know, a young up-and-coming Aussie charger get um, you know, huge exposure and, you know, a really deserving win. Will you be back next year? Yeah, everyone's already talking about it. You know, that was, that, that was like I said, my father and me, I've seen that place break. And after the first time he ran the event, it wasn't anywhere near as big as we were hoping. So everyone's saying, oh, I hope you know, next year it's going to be big and we get the skis out. And um, maybe we got, yeah, more than what we you know, wished for because, yeah, it was just amazing that forecast, you know, coincided with the, the event. And um, from, from what I'm hearing, everyone was stoked on the event. You know, the Red Bull guys, Mark's... Um, no, they're all over the moon with the way it was ran and, and everything that went with it. So, fingers crossed it runs again next year. And, um, mate, if it to go down like it did this year, it'd be awesome. So, fingers crossed. Uh, unfortunately, the WSL wouldn't allow, uh, you know, some of the guys from the States and Hawaii. What are your thoughts on, uh, you know, on that decision? Mate, yeah, it's unfortunate. No, it would have been good for the event to have some of those big-name international guys there. But, now on the flip side of that, it, it gave... Now, an awesome platform for all these underground Aussie chargers to go out there and perform. And, you know, they, they didn't disappoint. They, they went out there and just went bonkers and uh, put on a real show and definitely didn't hold back. So I think it's great that, you know, for, for that opportunity for the Aussie surfers to get to be a part of it. Um, but, you know, they contracted, they're all contracted with WSL and the big wave tour that they have running. Look, and, you know, it's part and parcel. I know you're fighting. If you're contracted to one promotion, obviously you can't go and fight for another. And the same applies to surfing, I guess. And, yeah, it would have been good, but I was pretty stoked to see the Aussie boys go um, go in there and you know really um, give it a, a red hot go and, and put on a show. So I was, you know, it was um, it's a, it a funny situation, but there's always uh, you know positive to it. Well, mate, listen, uh, it's been great talking to you on the carve up and uh, safe travels. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, boys. Thanks for on. All right, that was a great and insightful uh, commentary there from Richie Vass, who is just an absolute crazy human being, both in and out of the water, of course, UFC fighter. So um, no holds barred for that guy. He just went for broke, which was fantastic. But the at the end of the two days, boys, there was a winner, and he was relatively unknown uh, up until that day. Um, great. He's known to all the local guys, obviously, in Australia. But the young 18-year-old Russell Bjorki wins the Red Bull Cape Fear event. And, um, you know, he couldn't have done it without uh, all the support that he got from the local guys out there and the knowledge. But um, it was a great win for the young guy. Well, the funny thing about it, and Richie just said in the interview there, he actually got his spot by winning uh, his place on the crew, which, you know, it was amazing, really. Yeah, it's awesome. But, uh, Will, uh, you got anything to add before we shut up the Cape Fear? Well, what I was interested in when I watched him win, it was the way his board went. And I'd like to ask Perth because, funnily enough, I did a small wave board for Mark Matthews, you know, five years ago or whatever. And 
I went, this is for one to two foot. And I said, uh, how do you want it glassed? And he goes, oh, just light. And I said, where are you going to surf? And he goes, oh, anything from Maroomba to 10-foot owls. And I, I just didn't know. I went, yes, you are. You're nut. That's what you're going to do. Um, I saw a lot of guys out there. I heard the commentary team talking about they're just on their regular short boards. So, Perth, I want to know about what you ride. But also what I noticed was Russell's board to me looked rather, if I use the term dull, rather neutral, but cut through the water the best. And I remember Jeff McCoy talking about Craig Cornish being such a radical surfer back in the day that he made him very neutral board so he could give it all he's got. And to me, it looked like Russell's board was, you know, possibly a roll bottom and cut through the water maybe better than a lot of the guys' boards. Uh, I'm pretty sure Russell's board was a gun he got years and years ago as a grom and just kept riding it. It was just real narrow. It just looked like any old board you have when you're 16 and you you get like a 5'11 step up. It was just, I don't know, kind of a little bit heavier. Um, out there you definitely want a little bit heavier, but you also want something smaller. Um, you definitely don't want anything. I always ride like two inches smaller than my normal board, a bit thicker, well, a lot thicker, and a little bit wider even. Um, I actually broke all my boards for hours um, before the event and um, just was on two boards I got for the US Open last year. So they were just four-ounce glass, like normal comp blank. Perfect for hours by the sound. Oh, yeah, ideal. Absolutely ideal. (laughs) Boards made for beach breaks, but uh, we'll just ride them at hours anyways, one of the heaviest ways in the world. Well, I tell you what, you guys all did an amazing job. Uh, congratulations to Red Bull. Uh, congr- congratulations to Mark Matthews, who finally got what he wished for, which was the craziest event on this planet uh, to date. Um, and um, it was just all in all an amazing show to watch, I'm sure, from where you stood or, or swam, Billy, and Perth, from where you t- let go of the rope or paddle into. Well done to both you boys. Stick around with us because we're going to talk. You. We're going to talk more about surfing and, of course, the uh, the Fiji Pro, which is uh, on, was on today, and it's looking to conclude perhaps tomorrow. So after the break, we'll be back with more of the carve up. Radio Hub is Australia's premier podcasting facility with high quality sound equipment and production services. Radio Hub is a one stop shop for all your podcasting needs. So if you're ready to jump into the exciting realm of podcasting. Contact Radio Hub on 0402 870 900 or email info at au. All right, welcome back to the carve-up. Well, so far it's been an exciting show. We were just talking about, uh, for a long while now, the uh, Red Bull Cape Fear event won by uh, the youngster from the South Coast, Russell Bierke. Uh, well done to him. Congratulations again, and congratulations to all the surfers and Red Bull themselves. But right now, let's dive into the WSL. Of course, the Fiji Pro, which is on right now, and uh, off air, Perth and I and the, the crew in here were watching some of the amazing uh, not high nine point rides and ten point rides of the day. Cloud break really starting to stand up and deliver. So you go from one extreme straight into another one, which is perfect barrels at cloud break. One of the best events on tour by by a mile, boys. What do you reckon? I think first we should tip our hat to Taj Barra. The way yeah. he went out, you know, round three, um, unlucky not to go through. But what what a way what a what a way to go out. Two nine point rides and on your own terms, well done. I oh. mean, Billy and Perth, you guys have both 
surfed with Taj. You mm-hmm. photographed Taj for many, many years. You saw the roller coaster ride, which is the uh, the dream that we live as professional surfers. What an amazing human being, and a lot of great accolades to to go out with. Oh, the, to finish like that and with a heat like that and score nines. Wow, man. Jeez, if any pro surfer would want to go out that way. Perth, as a human being, Taj has got to be one of the most just cruisiest, chill guys on the planet, isn't he? He is out of the water. He's not really like that in the heat. <laughs> no one's like that in the heat. <laughs> so, I mean, you know him personally, and, and, and you've, you've probably been inspired by him. I know I've been inspired, and, and thousands, if not millions, of other people have been inspired, including Will, who's up there uh, sitting patiently waiting to have his say. But uh, what a great way to go out, like Billy said. Yeah, I I watched the heat quite closely, and I well, was obviously the best heat of the day. Like they both went so ham, but I kind of thought he kind of won that heat. To be honest, um, I guess John John got barreled too, but Taj was doing big turns and getting barreled, and on bigger waves. John John's barrels were a bit smaller than Taj's. And it, I, I don't know. If I don't Taj know if it's makes that bias. top turn, does he get through? You know, where he, on that second wave, he went for that like yeah. top turn. Does he if he? And he fell Absolutely off. Not. Absolutely not, because every other wave where there were turns included and they made them, it was you're talking about imp- increments of you know a point to win. So then, how come on a guy's last wave of his professional career, as they're going to make it, as it turned out, he comes out of the barrel. Once you make a claim, which he put his hands up, that's pretty much the end of the ride. Then also, when you saw Potts commentate it live, he didn't see the barrel. But he knew from the turn that he did and how he dug it and fell off was almost a claim in itself, a bit of a feral, as we used to call it. So that, And he said, hey, something pretty special must have just happened. Now, if you're judging a guy ending a 19-year career and he claims and then falls off on the turn on a bigger wave than the wave ridden before and it was perfect, how could you possibly deduct... Oh, he definitely didn't get deducted, and I don't think the turn would have given any points either. I just thought, I don't know if it's me being biased, friend, whatever. I just thought he kind of won that. He maybe oh, it was just he, the excitement of it on my that, side that got me across. Watching that, he was the surfer of the heat. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually thought he was. You're right, I, Will. I thought he was the surfer of the heat. I just think that. You know, it's one of those things where it's a very subjective sport we, mm. we surf in, right? Well, um, I actually suggest it isn't because who did Freddie P pay to get a 10 to fucking leave? Whoa, um, here we go. Say again? Conspiracy theorist. <laughs> yeah, how, how does Freddie P get to walk out and not even surf the next heat and get handed a 10? I saw the WSL's uh, compilation of 10s all put together and Jesus Christ, one you could have ricked dead said badminton batted out of the room that thing of his the trestles was hopeless <laughs> that's why they call it the carve up boys and girls that's why they call it the carve up as he sits back and takes another cold swig nice swig. <laughs> <swear. Tom's> <laughs> yeah. but uh look boys it was it was a fantastic way to go out and taj himself was quoted as saying look it felt like I won the contest. The the applause from his fellow competitors, the channel, the islands, the world, uh, the way he surfed that heat and how good it went for him and the waves he surfed in, it was you know one of the best heats of his life. So if it's any consolation, he went out on an ultra high, which is uh, great. So congratulations to Taj Burrow on, on, a, on a great career, and I'm sure he'll be riding waves for many, many more years to come. 
Well, mate, we're at quarterfinal stage, Shmoo. Yes, indeed. Quarterfinals, boys. Um, this is the business end of any event. And we've got a couple of doozies. In fact, we've got four, and I'm sure Will will we'll weigh in here some at some point or another. Uh, first quarterfinals, uh, Gabriel Medina and Adriana de Souza. Boys, uh, Adriana Medina, I- I'm going to have to, based on what I've seen so far, I definitely would be siding with Medina. Yeah, he'll get 20 wives and he'll get through. Yeah. How about you, Will? Who, who you got in that one? Yeah, well, look, I think... I think we can pretty much pick it right through the final because all these guys know how to ride the barrel. Now it's coming down to how to surf the reef and where to position yourself. And, like, Gabby did it. Oh, Gabby, I called him that. I'll have a cold chair after this. I'm sorry. (laughs) He did it at Chopu. The guy is silky smooth. Um, I'll be on his years. Kelly's going to do his thing. I mean, it's it's all whether you, you... you get your priority right and you get down the line, you might be one of those sneaker ones that John John nearly came out of today. But, look, every guy, the Goofies in the end of the quarterfinals could be a surprise, but I think every guy knows how to surf this break and it's going to come down. It's going to be two foot bigger tomorrow. Yep. So you can almost pick it, but, um, man, tight. All right, boys, we gotta, we got to... We only got a few minutes left in the show, so let's go down through the quarterfinals and let's get our selections from the panel here. Uh, quarterfinal number one we're talking about, of course, was uh, Adriana De Souza and Gabriel Medina. Quarter number two, Kelly Slater against Wiggly Dantes. Quarter number three, Mick Fanning, Adrian Buckin, and of course, uh, one of the heats to watch in the quarterfinals will be uh, Matty Wilkinson up against John John Florence. Silky. Your two finalists, and then your winner. Look, I think it's going to be a, a slated John John final. Um, I actually hope Wilco Wilco's already beaten John John once already this comp, so I will be cheering for him. And you know, I just think Slater's the one to beat. He just serves it too well. Billy Morris. Yeah, for- I'm going to have to double with Silky. Um, slated John John. Per Stanley, your I'd, picks. I'd like to see Slater Wilco. That's just because Wilco's having a stellar year, and it'd be amazing to see him. Continue it on. Um, we'll go for the win. Well, we'll go for the win. How about you, Will Weber? Okay, I'm with three quarters of you. Uh, Slater and John John, and John John getting revenge finally over Slater for the uh, countback heat at Chopu last year. All right. Well, you know, there's a lot of talk with the name Slater around it, and um, which is a good thing because based off his few heats that he surfed already, his performances, um, he is just, I think he's finding that next gear. Um, I also know that Kelly was very close to Chief Druku uh, from Tavarua Island. So Kelly really wants to, he's been quoted as saying he wants to go out and, and win for Druku. So I, had a good, sorry to interrupt, had a good friend pass, it would seem, as well from Florida. Yep. So he's, you know, Kelly's surfing with purpose. He's surfing with attitude. He's surfing with the same Kelly Slaterness uh, that we've come to groan and love o- over the over the years. I'm going with John John Kelly Slater final, and Kelly gets a nod uh, for Chief Druku. But uh, boys, it's been a fantastic show. Want to thank Per Stanley for coming on. Uh, glad you're still alive, uh, Bill yeah. Morris. Glad you're still alive and still bringing uh, joy to everyone who is going to be looking at your photos for many many years to come. Boys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, um, thank you. Thank you. Will Weber, it's always a pleasure talking to you. 
lovely to be back in the Hisay with the boys and can't wait till a skinny, a little shooter comes back. Yeah, and well done again, once again, to uh, Two Fish, One Chips uh, shooter who did the Kokoda track, of course, all in benefit for the Marquis Foundation. Of course, Silky, thank you for producing and being uh, one of the panelists on the show. That's all we have for this week's edition of The Carve Up. We are looking forward to the next show uh, post-Fiji. And from wherever you are around the world, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Dude, just like you pull in and you just get spit right out of them. <laughs>